I want you to come to Genesis 27. I want to look at an unusual picture of Calvary. How many of you love your Old Testament? The pictures, the types, the shadows, the symbols. He's in every line and every page, tucked away, hidden away somewhere. Our blessed Savior and His blessed sacrifice made it Calvary. Aren't you glad for the cross? Aren't you glad for the cross? Studying Jacob got seven messages on the latter years of the life of Jacob and really thought by Sunday through Wednesday I'd have preached out these Jacob messages. But the Lord had other things in mind. Hadn't even seen old Jacob. We saw the God who's got our back. And the Holy Ghost wanted to ask this congregation, what are you going to do with Christ? I think that will sit on you for a while. And what is Jesus going to do with you? I come tonight to a little message that has slipped in this series, just slipped in the side door and sitting over there taking laps. I found in the most unusual place a sweet picture of Calvary, reading behind some old preachers and an old writer pointed out just in a simple sentence that, that a very blessed picture of our salvation of Calvary sits right in the most unusual of places. One of the most despicable stories in your Old Testament is when Jacob deceived his father and stole his brother's blessing. Can I get a witness right there? I'm not going to take time to teach Sunday school tonight. If you're not familiar with this, go home and read it. Read up on it. But I want to take and draw out some glorious golden nuggets of Calvary tonight. Jake, I'm going to say something. I need you all to help me. Birmingham's too far to go get a soul choir to bring in here and back me up. You bunch of white people are going to have to do it. But I want an extra effort on your side, on your on your end. If you gotta make it up, make it. If you gotta fake it, fake it. But just don't sit there like a white person. You say I'm afraid to be in the flesh. Everything you do is in your flesh body. Get over it. Because if you don't act like you get it, then I'll just quit it. <laughs> Waffle House waiting on me. There's crazy people at your Waffle House. They waiting on me down there. So y'all got to act like you're going to get it. I'm going to say this. See if you can let you sniff around and see if you smell what I smell and seen what I've seen in this blessed text. I'm going to say it see how you do and then I'm going to... Give it to you and see how you act. Jacob received everything that was supposed to go to his elder brother. Y'all doing pretty good. That that, that wasn't even the part I was going to say. He was accepted by his father. 
blessed by his father. But he did it all hiding behind his elder brother's name. His elder brother's garments. And the love that his father, (laughs) the love that his father had for his elder son, he came in there and stepped in that place. Took advantage of the love that his father had for his eldest son. That's what I want to say. Now, it's, now, now here's, now, now let me say this and see how y'all act. I too have received from my Father. None of it was meant for me, but all of it was gift to me. Everything that was going to the Lord Jesus is now coming to me. Because I came. I knew I couldn't come in my name. I had to come in His name. I knew I couldn't come in my righteousness. I came covered in His righteousness. I knew I wasn't worth loving. But my father loved my elder brother, and I came in his name. I came in his nature. I came wearing his garments and received everything that was going to my elder brother. Brother Richard, even. When it was done, Esau came in and said, this ain't right, and tried to change it. But his father said, this is an eternal blessing. And once it's given, it can't be taken away. What has been blessed, hath been blessed. What I have sworn, I have sworn. Somebody said, well, Jacob didn't deserve it. (laughs) Neither did me and you. Somebody said, but Jacob and his mama set this up. And it was a lie and a fraud. Well, last time I checked, that was the Roman authorities and the Jewish leaders who set up Calvary. And they did it with false witnesses and wicked hearts. But God let it get set up anyhow. Because I don't know if you know this or not. But God had already determined to give the second son the blessing anyway. That thing was foreordained before they got here. He said, two nations are in my womb. And I'm going to need you all to help me right here. In that Old Testament, God always put the blessing on the second son anyhow. It was designed to be given to the firstborn. 
But in that Bible, it started out with Cain and Abel. Went down to Ishmael and Isaac. Right on to Jacob and Esau. I'm going to make a look. Y'all are doing real good. That them, that, them folk can stay in Birmingham so far. God has always transferred the blessing to that second birth. Because that first birth is what got me and you in trouble. God, the very first man, the first Adam, had to be put aside so the second Adam could come in and fix what the first Adam missed. <laughs> that blessing's always went to that second birth. Woo! I was going to try to take y'all to Bethel and bury you. The last message in this series. But the Holy Ghost said go to the first message. I don't want to bury anybody. I want to birth somebody. What about that? Woo! Y'all want to dig it out now? You want to get the... I mean, what we've done is open the oven and let you smell that apple pie. And it does like walking in Granny's house and you just the smell hits you. And you act like, woo, woo, it's going to be good. That's what y'all just did in the last five minutes. Smelled it. And boy, y'all done good. Without any tambourines, organs, or drums backing me up. Y'all done good. Y'all about two steps away from going with the big hats anyway. Amen. I think they'd look good in them, Sister Christie and Sister Heather and Sister Lynn. They'd look good in them big old hats. He'd look good in a black robe with red trim and a bit of a white collar. Y'all have big church to four o'clock on Sunday if he ever put him in one of those and somebody got up here behind him on an organ backed him up just a little. Woo! Alright, we've smelled the apple pie. Let's eat it. This ain't going to take long. Man, I know you ain't even nobody worried about it. But there's a crazy man with three good teeth waiting on me at the Waffle House. He got some hash browns. Chunk covered cap, dice, sliced, peppered, drunk to the floor and everything else. Got me some hash browns waiting on me. Genesis 27. Now, I've already preached the message to you now. We're just going to eat a bite of pie and hope God gives somebody tonight what He gave me and gave some of you a long time ago. Ain't got no outline, ain't got no structure. Preaching like Mike Bagwell or a black man tonight, just walking through the text. But I want a pretty interested in telling somebody tonight on how I got my elder brother's blessing. I'd like to break it down and tell you how I got that. And I am glad I got an elder brother. Hebrews 2 said, Not ashamed to call us brethren. And he is our big brother. You got a big brother if you're saved tonight. Reminds me in the early days of colonial America in the 1600s, there was religious persecution in our country. 
Baptist preachers were whipped and imprisoned and, and sentenced publicly by judges and courts. There was religious persecution. A young lady was slipping off to the meeting on the Lord's Day morning and had to meet secretly. Early 1600s. And uh, two soldiers stopped her. They said, where are you going, young lady? She knew she'd be in bad trouble. She told them she's going to church. But she had such a good conscience, she didn't want to lie. Here's what she said. She said, sirs, it seems that our elder brother has died. And everybody is, the whole family's meeting at the father's house. To discuss what we're going to do with the estate that he has left us. <laughs> they said, run on, child, run on. <laughs> I'm glad my elder brother died. Of course, she couldn't tell him the good part. He didn't stay dead. He got up from the grave. And I love meeting that at the father's house and talk about what we're going to do. Just in case you're wondering, Romans 8 said we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. And the Bible said, I think it's in Corinthians, all things are God's. Given all things unto Christ, and Christ given it, and all are ours. He's given us all. And He is my all in all. Let's walk through this just a second. Y'all get your pens out and mark your Bibles and learn to love your Bible. Might be a new Christian in here. You need to learn to do this. Write down the preacher's name and write down the date and the, and, and write down the sermon. Cause 23 years from now you'll flip back and look at that. And that whole meeting will live again in your heart. Now if it was some liberal panty waist with an NIV, you don't, I mean, don't it, don't, you don't, you wouldn't remember it no help. But if it's a man of God, write her down. Date it. Glory. That'll help, that'll help you on down the road. Verse 15. I'm going to tell you how I got my elder brother's blessings. And I'm just going to preach what I've already preached. Look at verse 15. And Rebecca took goodly raiment <laughs> of her <laughs> eldest son Esau. Just underline them two words. Goodly raiment. And let's just stop and thank God that I've traded the old coat for a new coat. I don't know all this song. Jared, we gotta get the words and I gotta, I gotta carry it in my Bible. I tell you the best thing I ever did do. Take off the old coat and put on the new. My old one was ragged and tattered so bad. My new coat is so little and it makes me so glad. I tell you the best thing that I ever did do. Take off the old coat and put on the new. Woo! I wish I knew all them words. Of course, that don't ever stop me from singing no how. Honey, I got news for you. There's goodly raiment. I got news for you. The best you could ever give to God, the best righteousness, the best works, 
the best motives, the best intentions, is rotten and blasphemous to God and, and stains like a filthy garment, Isaiah 64 said. Our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, but thank God for the day He took my sins off me and put the righteousness of Christ on me and in me. Can I get a witness? It's been imparted unto me. It's been implanted within me. It's been imputed upon me. The righteousness of Christ. I stand before you, Philippians 3, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Thank God I've been justified freely through His grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. All of my sins were stripped from me and put on the back of the Son of God. And when I came and knelt at Calvary, all of His righteousness, all of His goodness, all of His holiness, all that excelled and pleased God was laid on me and put on me, honey. Amen. Them goodly raiments. They tell me, but a little lamb over in the Bible country and Mediterranean country, the shepherds have said that when you got a real little lamb who's orphaned and uh, he'll die, or he or she would die without in those early stages, without the mother's milk and the mother's warmth. And they said they can't get none of the mama's sheep to nurse that little lamb. And they tell me, I read it in a book a shepherd wrote, said that, maybe in Avery Rogers, said they've learned that if they take a little lamb out from the flock that has a mama and make a cut in that little lamb with a mama, a living mother, and take some of that blood and smear it in the wool of that little orphan lamb, then they'll stitch up that little lamb and bring them both. Don't make me go to Birmingham now. And take them both back. And when they present that little orphan lamb that's been smeared in that blood, that mama lamb will sniff it and smell it. And all she smells is her own little lamb. And she thinks it's one of hers. And she adopts it on the spot, my brother. Brings it in and suckles it and protects it. And that little lamb gets adopted because the mama smells. I double dog dare you to look at verse 27. 27. 12. He came to verse 26. His father said, I want to kiss you. Come to me. That's what he wanted to do to us this week is give us a kiss. Come near now and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him. And he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Honey, when he smells me, he smells the blood. Hallelujah, God. I've heard him preach on that Exodus 12. When he sees me, he sees the blood. That's right. 
I want to add to it, honey, when he smells me. Thank God, July the 29th, 1982, I was hanging over hell, should have went to hell, but the blessed Son of God took the blood of Calvary and smeared me in it. Covered me in it, coated me in it. Brought me back to God and offered me up to Him. And He, he said, yeah, that's my son. That smells like Jesus. Adopted me. And I have lived with eternal life and abundant life. Goodly raiment. Then come down to verse 19. I mean, y'all doing all right. We leave in Birmingham people alone. Verse 19. Jacob said to his father, well, you got to read the question in verse 18. He came into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I. Who art thou? My son. He knew if he told him who he was, he'd be rejected. But he, y'all got to help me work through this. But he knew if he came in the name of the son that the father loved. And the one who was in the rightful place to receive the rightful blessing. He knew if he came in that name, he'd be accepted. And he, Jacob said to his father, I am Esau. <laughs> Can I get a witness right there? Everybody look at me for just a second. I want to say this. What a lovely name. The name of Jesus. There's none other name under heaven given among men. Whereby we must be saved. But that name, the name of Jesus. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And every tongue confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Most of these kids will understand this. I'm on Facebook. I've done it for evangelistic, ministerial, advertisorial purposes. I ain't sure if advertise oral is a word, but y'all don't know either, so. <laughs> we have to go to New York City to find out if somebody knows that's a word or not. I'm on Facebook. I have, as of last check, 1,712 friends. I am so not lonely. I only actually know who about 19 of them are. <laughs> but I got 1,712 friends. <laughs> I don't ever get on there and talk to them. It gets on my nerves. But I just go in there sometime and look and see how many friends I have. And then I click back off. I'm so not lonely. <laughs> If I was a pastor of a church, I'd be against Facebook. Oh, my soul. The, de- the devil uses that junk in a church worse than anything I've seen. But I get on there to stay in touch with some of these kids and to advertise our youth meetings. And some of y'all know how this works. Like I said, I don't know about 1,690 of those people. I leave a meeting like this and have 40 requests. 
Will you be my friend? And uh, when I was writing this sermon, I got on the motel, the lobby. I go down and sit in the lobby. Pull that thing up. Look at it. I hate a computer, by the way. Early 80s. I never could make Pac-Man go right or left. Got on my stinking nerves. I gave up computers before they even ever got here. Stupid outfit, bunch of stupid computers, stupid stuff. I hate a little phone. You touch the phone. Somebody hand me one of them. I tore the thing. Stupid technology. I write stuff down on a piece of paper with a pencil. Take a thumbtack and stick it on a bulletin board. That's how old-timey I am. And then go look at it. I was writing this sermon, studying this passage. I got on the Facebook and clicked, and there was a real rough-looking, woolly booger-type fella. Looked like the offspring of heathen for about five straight generations. This guy was rough. He had on there, Brother Dean, I love you. Will you be my friend? <laughs> I said, oh. Pretty sure I don't want to be your friend. I did not know his name. I did not know his face. But these kids know how this works. Off to the side, it'll be somebody who's recommended him. Or it'll be, even if not that, going to be somebody, mutual friend. And when I go in there and look at somebody, and that old boy's looking rough, I did not know his name, I did not know his face, and what I was seeing looked like I did not want him in my computer nowhere. But right, <laughs> but right next to him was a little box that said mutual friend. Who has recommended him? And what about I clicked on that mutual friend? And the name and face of one of my dearest preacher friends popped up. Y'all got to help me right here. Since you ain't got no functioning spiritual organ, y'all got to help me. I didn't know his name or his face, but when that other face and other name popped up, I knew it so intimately. That other name meant so much to me. That face and that name was dear and precious to me. And I said this, I don't know him, but I know him. And because I know him, I'm going to accept him. (laughs) I'm going to let him in my life. I'm going to let him in my fellowship. I'm going to let him in my little 1,712 Facebook family. And he got accepted. Not because of his name, but because there was another name there that meant something to me. 29 summers ago, last Thursday night in July, I fell down before God and I popped up into heaven. A name and a face that he did not look at as anything that he wanted. 
in his kingdom. But about the time I popped up in there wanting in, Jesus popped up right next to me and told the Father, I died for him. I'm the one brought him in here just now. I know him. I'll take him. I want him. Let him be one of ours. Oh, Father, would you? And God, not because I was worthy, but because He loved that other name and that other face. Because He loved His Son. He let me become a son. I have been accepted because I've been allowed to come in my Savior's name. I remember getting in trouble one time. Something I did every day before lunch. <laughs> Got in trouble. James Dobson nor any other family psychologist had come along when my daddy was raising children. <laughs> Dr. Phil and Oakley went for none of them. They'd say, you know, this generation just wants to hold hands. Have a group discussion. Daddy said, hold your ankles. <laughs> you turn loose any time during the renderation of this here expedition, it'll be three extra licks. We didn't hold hands and have group discussion. I held my ankles and prayed to the God of eternity to let me live until this thing was done. <laughs> I never ever get, get in trouble one time. I lied to him down at the schoolhouse. Lied to them. Now, and that's back before teachers taught kids how to sue their parents. This is back when teachers called the parents and said, you're young and needs a whooping. Yeah. Yeah. Hello? And it's also for they handing out condoms, teaching kids how to be homosexuals, and teaching seven-year-olds how, how to go lay in a bed somewhere. And by the way, don't you make fun of anybody who feels compelled to pull their kids out of the government school system and raise them at home or in a Christian school. Don't be so stupid as to make fun of somebody who's trying to shelter their youngins from all that Sodom has. That's free. You notice how much people hate that? How come they don't care when kids drill holes in their skin and take needles and ink their seven, color their hair, seven kinds of color, crayon color, and go down to a heavy metal concert and absolutely run their life and give their body away? How come nobody blinks twice when they toss their kids into the lap of Moloch and offer them up the sink? But do something like carry them down to the shouting church. Do something like say, I ain't going to turn my kids over to Sodom. I'm raising them up at the house. The house of God. How come people didn't give a rip if Satan had twisted your kid in seven different pieces? Want to come over and get in your face and fuss you out when they're heading toward a godly direction? I'll tell you why. Because they're demon possessed and they're giving their life over to a dollar bill and then giving their kids over to hell and and, and hell's crowd. And it puts them under conviction when you take a little stand and do something righteous with your youngins.
I'd lied to my daddy down at school. I was trying to go on a field trip or something. Signed his name. Son. He said, let me tell you something, son. He said, the only thing a man's got is his good name. And don't you go using my name without my approval, my permission. And he taught me the value of a name. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Great riches won't save you in the day of death, but knowing the right name. We get over in Albania, we got a friend named Beamy. Runs a city of 60,000. Born again, but still got old family connections to the Russian mafia. That's pretty strong connections. They put us in their seven-story hotel, front and center of the whole city, right on the seaport. Thing is guarded at night by ten Russian thugs. <laughs> Beamy said, and this is a country run by three mafias. It's a country where they smuggle people and smuggle, kidnap girls and. Black market for human organs. Pretty dangerous place. Bump at the wrong person, the wrong sidewalk. You'll be a 2020 store and that'll be the end of it. Beamy said, you'll get in trouble somewhere. Mention my name. It would, he said, we'll take care of it in this city. <laughs> God the Father told me. You get in trouble in this world. Mention my son's name. He'll take care of you in this planet. <laughs> Most powerful man in the planet. Oh, I bless his name. Underline something else. Y'all doing all right? I love this in verse 22. I'm almost done. I love this in verse 22, preacher. Got to read verse 21 first. Isaac said to Jacob, Come near! I pray thee that I may feel thee. Whether thou be my very son Esau or not. This right here is Holy Ghost conviction. You remember when God grabbed a hold of you and said, Come here, boy. Get real close to me. I'm going to smell you. I'm going to touch you. I'm going to feel of you. I'm going to look at you. See if you're the real thing or not. This is where conviction came in. Come near. Ain't it amazing, Pastor, to sit in the seats you get to sit in and look out here and watch the Holy Ghost grab a hold of somebody out there in the lost and, and bring them in this place. <laughs> and grab a hold of us, pull them up. And you see them go pale and can't digest food and breathe properly for about three months. <laughs> Half of y'all have been there in recent years. Remember when he grabbed a hold of you and said, come here. And don't you know Jacob's heart thudded and trembled and said, oh, he's going to find me out. <laughs> Holy Ghost conviction. Brother Jared, I was a preacher's son too. I remember daddy bringing him holy men of God. 
Oh, my soul. Ed Ledford, white-haired old Elijah, prophet spirit on him. Walk through the house, tell you where the problem was. Look at you for two seconds and name the last ten sins you committed in the last six months. Well, Brother Ron Garris, I'll tell you some stories tomorrow. Brother Garris, come down and look at you about three seconds and tell you exactly what was sitting wrong in your spirit. Detail it. And probably tell you about how long you've been wrestling with that. And then tell you what it would take to get it right. I ain't never been able to hang around them little silly pouting church members. I was raised by a bunch of Elijahs and Moses. Just take a rod and slam you down. <laughs> I never knew how to play a game. You grow up on the altars, God will kill you if you don't act right. You grow up on the altar. The most dangerous place in the world to live is near an altar. Honey, the heathen can get away with pure blasphemy out there. God has judged them by already not even dealing with them. He'll deal with them at the judgment bar. But you get close to this altar, you won't even be able to raise your eyebrow wrong at somebody. He'll smite you. <laughs> he said, come here, boy. I'm going to fill you and see what you're all about. Look what saved him. <laughs> if she hadn't have made that out of such thick stuff, I'd jump through them. Look what saved him. I just like the way that sounded. I didn't mean to say it. If y'all had been from Birmingham, you'd have been on the floor. Look what saved him. You're doing your best and you're still pale white. I don't know what to do with you. Look what saved him in verse 22. Oh, don't get ahead of me now. You'll be popping happy bubbles. Are you looking at verse 22? And Jacob went near under Isaac's father. And he felt him. And said, the voice is Jacob's voice. But the hands. <laughs> All right, I need my soul choir right there. Y'all ain't that slow, are you? You should have known exactly what to underline in that verse. But the hands are Esau's. Y'all still looking at me like... All right, am I to break it down just a little? I mean, y'all doing so good. He draws me near. He says, hmm, this sounds like Dean. But let me see them nail-scarred hands again of my eldest son. So he'd put himself, he'd covered his hands to be like Esau's hands with the goat skins. And honey, I'd like for you to know Every time God grabs a hold of you and the Holy Ghost conviction to bring you close and judge you, discern you, sniff you out, eyeball you, see what's going on with you, see who you really are. He said, this sounds like Dean, but these hands. <laughs> All right, you're still thinking, pitiful. Tonight, God comes by and looks at every one of us. He said, I ought to dump you in hell tonight. But my eldest son's hands are extended tonight right in front of me. We got an advocate, folks. Oh, but the hands. I told them boys what the sawdust gang. I'll have me some brogan boots and khaki pants next time around, boys. 
I told the sawdust gang on the rock altar before church. I said, I want you all to learn to do something. Slip up here by yourself and pray. Early in the morning or in the afternoon, with your parents' permission, learn to slip up here and pray by yourself, boys. I told them, you young men, you're going to have a lot of problems, a lot of sin, a lot of stuff. Come up here every time you need to confess your sin to get on that You know what, boys? You come up here with some old mess, get messed up and do something wrong or get fouled up and tripped up. You can bring them sins to Jesus. And he'll say, boy, that, that smells like, he'll say, that, that's, that sounds like Lindley, but the hands. He'll say, boy, this sure sounds like the milkman. I know him. But these hands, there's a set of nail-scarred hands right here sitting in my presence. He'll say, that sounds Oh, that sounds like Greg. <laughs> but these hands, they were Jesus' hands. Yeah. I remember reading a documented story years ago when I was just a teenage preacher boy. A little woman was dying in a rest home. She had no family. She had nobody. They brought in a Roman Catholic priest. Told her we're bringing in a man who'll forgive your sins and make sure you go to heaven when you die. She said, thank you so much. She's laying on that little bed. Her eyesight was about gone, dying. And here he come, that Roman Catholic priest in there. And he said, I'm here to forgive your sins. She said, oh, I'm so glad. She said, are you sure you're the man who can forgive my sins? He said, yes, ma'am, that's what I do. She said, well, I'm not so sure. I need to feel your hands first. He said, what? She said, I need to see your hands. Let me hold your, both your hands. Put them out here and palm up. He put them out there and she, she said, sir, there's no nail prints in your hands. She said, you can't help me. She said, the only one can help me get into heaven has got nail prints in his hand. Hallelujah. That reminds me of Fanny Crosby, the old blind songwriter. And that precious song, I shall know him. I shall know him. And redeem by his side I shall stand I shall know him I shall know him by the prince in the palm of his hand through the gates of that city in a robe of sparkling white I shall know him, I shall know him, and redeemed by his side, 
I shall stand. I shall know Him. I shall know Him by the print of the nails in His hand. Oh, Fanny J. Crosby. They pray. They told her, said, Sister Crosby, don't you pray? She's blinded. She wrote Blessed Assurance. Y'all knew that, didn't you? Blessed Assurance. She wrote that. Visions of rapture. Now burst on my sight. Blinded at birth by the accident of a doctor with a wrong medicine. It wasn't medicine. It was poison and it blinded her. She'd never seen, never remembered seeing anything. They said, don't you want to pray that God will heal you? She said, no, no, I never have. They said, why is that? Don't you want God to heal you where you can see? She said, don't you know the first thing I'll ever see when I open my eyes? I'll see the face of Jesus. be the first thing I see will be in the next world. Oh, my. I'm, I'm, I'm at the end now. I'll close with this one. Look in verse 25. I'll tell you how he got his elder brother's blessing. I'm going to need you all to help me right here. Don't tune out just yet. They had killed two goats that morning. That's verse 9. You see that? Started out that morning in verse 9 to go to the flock and fetch me from them two good kids of the goats. How do y'all think the great day of atonement started every year? They went and got two goats. One would be a scapegoat to carry the sin off. The other would be the sacrificial lamb to die there in the temple. Can I get a witness right there? And she made him a savory meat. The Bible talks about the savory offering, the sweet-smelling savor that pleased the Father. Can I get a witness? And here in verse 25, Bring it near to me, and I will eat of my son's venison, that my soul may bless thee. And on Calvary, God made an offering unto the Father. The Leviticus even talks about a meat offering. Can I get a witness? Sweet-smelling savor. And look what happened. Here's the blood. Does anybody see the blood? The blood's right there at the end of verse 25. He brought it near to him. And he did eat. And he brought him wine. And he drank. Y'all done real good tonight. You're going to get an A as it stands. See if y'all can help me one more time. The Father took those two goats that was prepared and roasted for him. And the blood and the blood poured out. The wine poured out and he drank it until Isaac was full and satisfied and happy with what had been presented before him. And as soon as he was done with this, he turned around and gave him the blessing. That's where he kissed him and blessed him. Y'all done went white on me again. At Calvary, He offered up that offering in our place and He poured out His blood and blood and water came out until the Father was shot.
he said, it is finished. And God was able then to kiss with the kiss of righteousness. Embrace him and kiss him and bless him. And thank God you can be embraced and blessed and kissed tonight. I want you to bow your heads. Brother Jared, you come.